0: Welcome to Podship Earth. This is your host, Jared Blumenfeld. The United States population is becoming more and more diverse thanks to growth among Latinx, Asian, and multiracial Americans. Our diversity is our nation's single greatest strength. Nowhere is this more true than in California, where the Latinx community is now the largest racial or ethnic group in the Golden State, representing 39% of our population. And yet even today, if you go to a national park or recreation area, the vast majority of day visitors, campers, and long-distance hikers are still overwhelmingly white. Disturbingly so. Rather than getting derailed by the ridiculousness of racist tropes like people of color don't really like the outdoors, Jose Gonzalez started Latino Outdoors as a way of meeting communities, families, and individuals where they were. And what he and the now huge distributed network of Latino Outdoors found is that deep cultural connections to nature and a love of hanging out with friends in beautiful, peaceful places is pretty much universal, as are the barriers preventing people of color from feeling welcome or being able to access our nation's incredible natural treasures. Latino Outdoors is focusing on four key elements to get at those barriers. Those are providing Latino families with transformational experiences in nature, ensuring Latinos have active presence and a strong voice in the outdoor and conservation movement, creating support networks and opportunities for Latinos working in conservation, and providing an inspirational platform for sharing cultural connections and narratives to nature that are often overlooked by the traditional outdoor movement. José González founded Latino Outdoors back in 2013 and is now on the board. I start by asking José how his concept of the outdoors has evolved. I was born in
1: Mexico uh, right before the age of nine came to the U.S. Where in uh, Mexico? Uh, it's the state of Nayarit, a s- relatively small rural town, Amatlán de Cañas. Less rural now because of globalization, but still out there. And, you know, that framed my first experience of connection to the outdoors, which was, which was just outside. And so these social constructs of the outdoors, such as hiking or camping that exist in the U.S., that I didn't grow up with that, but I still was outdoors, and so it wasn't hiking; it was walking to school. it was going across town in some ways. It wasn't camping, it was just sleeping out under the stars because we were out by the rancho or by my grandparents' uh crops that they were tending. And so coming to the United States, I came with both that connection of the outdoors with this kind of livelihood, even maybe the utilitarian connection with it. The stories around how the outdoors could be both magical, but also kind of scary. And so coming to the United States and then specifically here in California, I did the rest of my growing up in the Central Valley. And so even though there's still an outdoors all around us, It was my first introduction to like traveling to the outdoors, this idea of actually like going somewhere as the outdoors, uh, whether it's a state park and the like. Which is kind of
0: bizarre. Yeah. I mean, like you are outdoors, but you weren't considered really outdoors. Right. Like what was true outdoors compared
1: to just outside. It was also my first introduction to kind of this idea of a protected landscape like a state park. And it's not that in Mexico we don't have parks, of course. It's just where I grew up, there was no clear line as to like, you are now entering this type of managed area in this way. But I got introduced to that here in California and it sparked a magic. So sixth grade, a school trip, we went to Calaveras Big Trees State Park, saw sequoias for the first time, just blew my mind, thought this is amazing. By the time I got to college, And then post-college, once I started teaching, I had this question of being able to say, if I like this, if I even enjoy this, if I feel connected to this idea of activities like camping and hiking, how common is that with others like me? And knew that there was definitely a disconnection with some that would ask, like, why would you want to do that? Why do you want to go and sleep (laughs) on the ground uh, for multiple days? So there was that element. And at the same time, knowing there were others like me being able to say, I kind of like this too. So where are we in community? And it was through that building of community and connection and ultimately what led to an organization like Latino Outdoors was to unpack these ideas of how do some of us grow up disconnected because the outdoors is seen as this otherness, as this uh, place that isn't intuitively recreational, fun, and healing and in the US in California we kind of have the joy and benefit
0: of seeing the outdoors in, in that way and yet for some for some immigrant communities the outdoors can actually be associated with with trauma for example
1: to a north faced athlete this is a guy that like summits peaks and he was sharing that he grew up in Colombia and for him, he said, growing up, the outdoors was definitely dangerous because that is where the civil war was happening, hmm. right? When we talked to some people from Peru, they are like, that is where there was an insurgency. So to bring all of that into the U.S. <laughs> and so we engage with the Latinx ex-Latino community, right, it's all of these strands that are playing into that. So it made me super aware and supportive of like, how do I want to, connect to this joy while also being highly mindful of the wide variety and diversity of um, uh, experiences, both personal, but also community and
0: historical that people are bringing into the space. To me, the connection to outdoors is looking at the tree out the window and feeling like I can go on a walk. And like, you're talking about the kind of this gradation of outdoors Mm -hmm. with the final summit feeling pretty elite and out of touch to a lot of people. Like, It's expensive, it's difficult, there's all these barriers to entry. Like, how do you get, how how did your personal journey help inform the organization that you created?
1: For me, it is acknowledging that this kind of gradient, rather than reinforcing this idea that's like a pyramid, right? And the most amazing summative experiences are at the top. I'm like, think of this as a spectrum, as horizontal within our urban landscapes, within a nearby state park or regional park or the like. And so that for me has been the, the challenge and opportunity to let people know we're fighting both the narrative that we are humans separate from nature, like, right, that there's this disconnection, this while then also letting people know that the validity of these experiences is what we need as the demographics are going to continue to shift and change so that we can't just be like, the only way that this is going to be real and valid or valued is by just taking kids and dropping them off into this five-day backpacking experience. I'm like, I I would like that to be an opportunity But if that's the way that we're saying it needs to happen and you didn't do any other type of work around that, you can further harm and traumatize or reinforce ideas like, yeah, that's why we don't do that. (laughs) That sucked. (laughs) We were out there and then we had to eat things that we don't like. And then we had to like be reminded of like things that we're unfamiliar with. I heard noises and I don't know what those were. It's like all of those things that for me have made me really mindful about paying attention to the cultural markers, So that I use those as points of like invitation rather than further exclusion.
0: So talking about further exclusion, just the history, when you read even John Muir, Mm -hmm. but Aldo Leopold, Teddy Roosevelt, it was a pretty white male institution of parks. Like these are special places for men, white men to go enjoy nature in a certain way. And the reality is that when you look at who's going to national parks, Even though Latinos are a very large and growing percentage of America and California, it's a really small fraction of people going to parks.
1: The reality is that without the decisions to think about these as protected landscapes, we could be in a very different place now, right? It's just that difference of thinking about land in this collective sense of responsibility rather than an individualistic privatized notion of its mind. And I said, the irony is that who we took the land from, Native communities, had that idea. And that when we created national parks and even have Leave No Trace principles, so really us that we did the colonizing for us to to be aware of that. A lot of this ancestral traditional knowledge to a lot of the stewardship of the original stewards of Native Indigenous tribal communities as we fulfill a vision of the national parks, not as these playgrounds, not as as entertainment park or amusement parks, but rather to be able to say, what is a common good to hold in trust? Because at the beginning, it was created in such a way that seemed, who is it for? And I think expanding the idea of who is it for allows us to actually really question some of this
0: even starting ideologies. That's such a great reframing of the question, like, How is your own connection? How how has it evolved through founding Latino Outdoors? I look at it as a a healing, a severed connection. I made a
1: conscious choice to want to understand and engage ecological models, while then being able to say, work around equity and inclusion, social justice work. We just need to do better. Buy in for our communities. And so I think of ecological models as a way to inform some of this work and vice versa. I mean, in California, we've been dealing uh, with wildfires. It's our past practices catching up with us compounded by climate change. And we know we can't firefight our way out. It's just the reality is the tinderbox is there. And so we need to really examine and question what got us here and do differently. And so I say when it comes to a lot of work around diversity, inclusion, and even like racial justice, we need to ask what prescribed burning have we been undertaking? Because if we have been oppressive to be able to say any type of conflict or tension or disagreement, we treat it like like fire from before. It's like, no, put it out. We don't talk about it. We don't deal with it then it's no different once something does go off, then now we have the, the intensity of this type of fire that we have to to deal with. And it's gonna be destructive in a way that wouldn't have been before if we have really managed it so that
0: it burns what's not needed. And is that part of the founding philosophy of Latino outdoors? Like you're, you're doing a little bit of prescribed burn yes. while helping people experience nature.
1: Definitely. It seems simple when it's just Latino outdoors, right? Like, oh yeah, simple Latinos outdoors. like <laughs> right. But I was going to, it's important for me to say, I was, I, and then the, our initial kind of leadership group really was saying, what is the diversity of Latinx identity? Which is pretty broad. It acknowledges that we hold a lot of tension within ourselves as well. You see this all the time. Where's like, what term do we use? Do we call it this? Do we use this language? It acknowledges the tension of having colonizer and colonized or and the multiple roots that inform that. That includes native, indigenous, black, African, Asian, you name it. It's all in there. So there's that with the diversity of outdoor experiences, such that we were we weren't trying to just convert people into being outdoorsy and being like, yeah, all you need to do is like go to the REI store, buy these things and look this way. It's acknowledging like the connection to the land that's already there. How do we ensure that informs the conversation and bringing all of that into the space? So as we're doing that, the prescribed burning is acknowledging what is it within our own culture that's no longer needed? How do we ensure that supporting You know, as an example, that we are undoing a toxic masculinity in the form of machismo. How are we ensuring that we're elevating our own indigeneity in ways that are connective to the indigeneity of here? So that's the ecosystem management and support and nurturing element that has been important from the beginning. This is what it means to be Latino outdoors. The community is informing that and we get to support and raise that.
0: Which is really a completely different model. It isn't top down. I mean, you intentionally created an organization that was really volunteer-led and mentor-led and like whatever ideas came from different parts of the country, they kind of Mm -hmm. could flourish in their own space. Exactly. Because we wanted to be able to say, what does this look like in
1: San Antonio, Texas, We're not going to be the ones to tell San Antonio, Texas, what this looks like. It's actually more exciting to see what is shared from that and how that connects to what's happening in Seattle, to what's happening in New York, to what's happening here in California. We create a richer, more, you know, colorful picture. We actually get to see all of the leaders. That was part of this intentional design Because often what was absent was the recognition of the leadership that was already there.
0: Mm. And one of the things that when you talked about coming from Mexico to the San Joaquin Valley, you know, the gateway to Yosemite is Fresno, which is, you know, right in the middle of the valley. And yet when you go to Yosemite, you're not seeing people from the valley. I mean, there's a disconnect.
1: I grew up in Turlock. You have people from the Bay Area driving through the valley to get to Yosemite, that you have people from across the United States, international travelers coming in and going through the very communities, right, that live here that may not have an immediate opportunity for a variety of reasons. I didn't get to go to Yosemite um, until I was in college and I had no real concept, Hmm. I think, of what it meant to just, let's get in the car and go. We had an outing in the Central Valley. One of the outdoor Latino Outdoors leaders said that a mom had come up to her at the end and said, thank you for bringing us to your park. Mm. And she had to stop and kind of say like, hold up. No, this is your park too. This is our park. And so it's like battling this idea, right? That we are visitors and guests or at worst trespassers. What we found out through early Latino Outdoors outings, what are three questions that people are wrestling with? And that is... What is it? How do I get there? And then what do I do? And so helping answer those questions made it easier so that people can make those choices to go on their own and have it be a value add be, they, that they do want to pay to go there, uh, in the same way that they'd be willing to shell out, you know, much more money to go to Disneyland, because Disneyland does a better job of saying, this place is worth it."
0: How do you see the uh like the intersection of the the richness of the Latinx culture with with you know the outdoors itself?
1: I used to often say that we were battling this idea of leaving your cultura at the trailhead. That now that we're gonna go on the trail, well now you have to act differently, right? Eat. Different things, dress differently, and so forth. And I want to be like, no. What does it look? What does it mean to like hit the trail with your culture, like as a part of you? We went an early Latino outdoors outing we did in the Central Valley, Caswell Memorial State Park. And so the the messaging was, we're gonna do a Sunday, bring your whole family Sunday at at this state park. And so those key words, which is Sunday, family, park, right? So you had, for example, a dad show up in his, you know, tejana, like the, you know, like the cowboy hat with the with the leather boots and the belt. It's his Sunday best right out of church. Because yeah, Sunday family at the park. And he gets there and, you know, we're gonna do a loop trail. And so the question is, is he wearing the right things? And so I thought, well, the question really isn't, is he wearing the right things? It's what he is wearing going to be safe and comfortable for him to do this? And if the answer is yes, then he can, that's exactly how he can join us on the trail. Um, And he did. And it was amazing. And he also happened to be able to identify many of the things along the trail. And I was like, you're a natural naturalist. How do you know these things? He's like, I'm a landscaper. And so it's these little examples of what it means to embrace and bring the value that a community has enhances the experience. And it's much more richer than if I had approached it, such as I have the knowledge, I will guide them and tour them to this trail. I will show them and teach them things. uh, And it needs to be dependent on that framing.
0: And so that's what makes it exciting. I always joke like there's there's lycra for every sport in <laughs> California. Like if you don't have the lycra on, yeah. you're not really doing it. Or the Patagonia puffy or like you don't need any of that crap no. really and, to, to enjoy yourself.
1: And that day I was the only one wearing hiking pants. Um, everyone else was was wearing something different. If we were undertaking any other type of activities for which it's like those, you know, those shoes really aren't going to be helpful then that'd be different. But that's how we build up from that because then they want to be like, all right, well, if I want to do that, then what kind of shoes would you recommend? And then we can have that as a conversation because now it's engaged to their interests rather than, than to my prescription.
0: The Public Policy Institute of California does this poll on environmental values. And in California, the people that care the most about the environment on every category are Latinx. Yes. And so why is that? I mean, what, what, what do you think led to that? And then I guess the second question is, since you're starting from a real place of interest and knowledge and excitement about these issues, is it are you finding a lot of receptivity? Mm-hmm. Definitely.
1: You know. And it's this kind of thing that at the very beginning of Latino Outdoors, often the question we would face was, do Latinos care? Right? Do they care about the outdoors? How can we get them to care? And I said, what, well, what if we flip that question to how do they care? And then what What do we find out? And interestingly enough, the Latinx community and really a lot of communities of color at large do overrepresent in terms of their care, concern, willingness to act, to support policies, taxes, when it comes to the environment, conservation, like you name it, state and national. And so for me, that's not surprising. It's because of this land ethic. It's because of this... Heritage that comes with being connected to the land. There is a a researcher, Doctor Devon Pena, and he wrote this great book called Tierra y Vida, looking what, the Mexican American attitudes about the environment. And on the front, he has this phrase of what his grandmother was that would say that he's like, "Mijo, los animalitos se cuidan," right? We take care of the animals. And I think that that's there and it is when we end up in spaces where some of these kind of cultural practices are let go of, that I think that's what we're in trouble. Similar to here in California with the plastic bag ban, the question is like, well, how do we get Latinos to like use reusable bags? And my colleague uh, Marce was like, well, she ran her campaign. I was like, remember, your grandma had a (laughs) reusable bag. This is familiar. And so that's why it's not surprising because like, I think when we think about caring for the land, caring for the outdoors, caring for these places, it's not a foreign concept in that way.
0: When you go to events that Latino Outdoors hosts, is it all ages? Is it really targeted just at the youth demographic?
1: Often, for for funders, right? They want to know how are we supporting youth in the outdoors. And like, yeah, it's a great question. We do that by supporting the family. And so it's intergenerational. Everyone is welcome. By supporting the family, you're still getting, for example, youth outdoors, while also helping the parents, if it's something new for them, conceptualize this idea of the outdoors, not just as a place of recreation, but a possible career. So if a kid comes back and says, I want to be a ranger, parents are going to be like, I have no idea... what that is. Like, is that like a teacher? Is that like an engineer? Is that like a doctor? Or that you can be all those things and work for parks. So it helps with that because too often it would be the kids would get to go have an amazing transformative experience in the outdoors and then they come back and tell the parents, but the parents haven't been supported with that. One time I did a presentation to parents to try to, Latino parents especially, Because the school districts say, we're going to, we want to make sure all of our eighth graders have an opportunity to go to nature. And at the end, one dad gets up and says, right, Jose, like, you know, we get it. That's a good idea. So my question is, when do we get to go? And I was like, I'm glad you asked because now let's work with you on supporting that. So that's important. You're supporting the family dynamic that can be very important. Some of my favorite moments are when you would have the granddaughter and the grandmother out on the trail. And the grandmother would be like, look, I know what that is, right? Like, uh, and I would ask, can you tell us what that is? And it helps you to continue to support those connections rather than detachments that sometimes happen if you are an immigrant to this country or first or second generation, and it feels like you are being separated from your ancestors.
0: How is your family reacting, Jose?
1: It's very similar in the ways that a lot of my colleagues would say, which is like, my parents don't know what I do. They try. It's not for a lack of care. It's just that so much of it is new. And so I'm grateful that my parents, of course, support me and they have supported me as, as the oldest uh, of all my siblings and the first to go to college. What they were saying, like, the best we can do is support you and let you know mm-hmm. that we're here with you, even if we can't always give you Comparable examples of like, well, when I went to college, uh, or, you know, here's an inheritance that we've been saving for you. So I'm grateful for that. And that my siblings, you know, a lot of them have understood what I'm like been trying to do kind of in a way that no one else in the family uh, had been able to do. And so I'm grateful for that in in terms of how they support me.
0: And if people want to get engaged, what's the first step there? Mm. They're hearing this and they're like, God, this sounds kind of cool, but the trepidation around kind of what is it, how I get there and what the hell do I do when I, I mean, it it feels like not a thing you want to do by yourself.
1: Right. All Latino outdoors outings, they're open to everyone. Everyone's invited. You know, sometimes we get that's quite the question. is like, do you, do I have to identify as as, as Latino or Latinx or Latine or like, what if they're like almost afraid to say like, what if I'm white? I'm like, you can still show up. There is no card that you have to show (laughs) at the entrance to say like, oh, I'm sorry, you're not brown enough. The shift we're asking you to do is think of this as this focused conversation where you now can get a better understanding of what this experience is. It's not centered on you. And that can be a great thing. And the second is that Really, Latino Ador strives to make sure that all outings are accessible um, in many different ways. A big one being that the vast majority are free. The power invitation has been so critical because so often a barrier has been a lack of feeling welcome or invited. Mm. Like I'm not, I don't belong here. But then to be able to go with, like, you're coming with me, that's important and powerful. This, of course, in addition to that, people can support Latino outdoors by donating. That's easy to do. Many different ways to do that. Supporting, advocating through communications and whatnot. Even if it isn't a direct support of Latino outdoors, then to support the policies and practices that are essential for the work that we do, such as outdoor equity uh, in California. The ways in which we ensure that um, funding for parks and open spaces Um, And ultimately, at the end of the day, for me, it's a recognition, like the biggest support, I think, is to be open to the idea of what the future holds Mm. in an exciting way. Because California, over half of the the public school kids in California are Latino. 54% of the kids are the next. The next block at 22% is white. So more than double. And so for me, rather than having that be like a scary thing, it'd be like, so if this is the future of California, how are we supporting that? So that whatever conservation successes we care about, however we care about protected landscapes, wilderness and national parks, that will continue because we're supporting the current and next uh, generation of leadership that will exist across all levels of the state.
0: You're bringing culture to the parks as opposed to kind of having to conform to some ancient sense of what the hell these parks were for Mm. like how does the system change as a result of latino outdoors Mm. like how how five or ten years from now does the system look different often when we talk about inclusion if
1: we don't uh, examine and interrogate that then what you're really saying, inclusion is, I want you to fit into my space, right? I want you, and if you don't fit, then you're out. And for me, it's to be able to say, no, it's, it's, you are open to the idea and the reality that by including more means the space has to change. And that can be exciting. I can understand why it can be terrifying for some if that's just the nature of change at times. But I think how the system changed to me, it's in a couple of ways. There are, speaking of when we talk about systems change, there's kind of the structural, there's the interpersonal, and then there's the mental models. The structural for me, it means that how we've funded spaces will continue to look differently. So that in addition to, not to the exclusion of, this is where I talk people about the mental model, it's kind of like learning languages. Just because I chose to learn English wasn't to say like, now I must no longer... I use Spanish. Or because I choose to retain Spanish doesn't mean like, well, I devalue English. You can be bilingual and multilingual. So the policies will now be inclusive of not just protection of spaces in the traditional way, but rather to think about the cultural value of some of these places. And so when we des- as we design urban parks, they'll be inclusive of what those cultural needs are. I used to joke with parks and I asked them, how many of you have been to a quinceanera or like understand that? And then I would say, how many of you have amazing spots at your parks for the quinceanera photos? I'm like, because that these families are looking for that. (laughs) And if that's a way that an entry point that families can be like, actually, this is a great space. Yeah, there's amazing, great for the photos, but I didn't even know that all this other stuff was there. So that's what I mean about like the cultural value of a space will continue to change and that will fund that. Interpersonal is that it me that the system will change by acknowledging that as the reality of who will continue to be in elected office, who will be on boards, who will be the head of the organizations, that that will, uh, will be increasingly Latinx. And honestly, Latina, I think it's really Latina leadership that will continue to lead the way there. That to be open to the mental model that this representation of what latini that means is inclusive of but also beyond the issues that people might think only Latinos care about, such as immigration, health, and education. it includes the outdoors, it includes natural resources, it includes the environment, inclusive environmental justice uh, which are fundamental in terms of clean air clean uh, clean water and so forth, but also access to the the health benefits of the outdoors, of the impact of climate change. So to me, like, that's how the system will change. We, that we can have a better future and a key component of that is because it's inclusive of the wide variety and spectrum of what does it mean to be uh, Latino Latinx. I don't want to understate the value of just going outside mm. and Continuing to grow in the way that we appreciate our non human kin, something as simple as going outside in that tree, the way that we can continue to reframe, not just from like, this is a tree and its values and its wood. We know that it's not just that, but to really be in breath with the tree and like the changing of that type of relationship. I mean, it's going to continue to be inspiring because it will it, influence the way that we design cities and how we'll care for and protect a lot of our landscape.
0: A huge thank you to José González for talking with Podshipper today. José started by asking us to expand the idea of who we think nature is for. And while it's tempting to exclaim that nature is for everyone, that goal remains aspirational because of very entrenched barriers, including how the mainstream environmental movement talks, acts, and perceives the outdoors. I loved how José said that he used to battle the idea of leaving your cultura at the trailhead, and then realized that he could ask a better question. What does it mean to hit the trail with your culture fully intact? We often glorify maverick loner adventurers who are generally also white men fighting to scale a rock face against horrible odds. Think about how different our world would be if, like Latino outdoors, our whole society instead lifted up families who spent Sundays together in a park our society continues to evolve towards a more diverse future. Today, 54% of California public school kids are Latinx, and by supporting them, we are supporting the generation that will shape the future of the planet. Inclusion can't be narrowly defined to mean allowing new people into the old club. We have to deconstruct the entire clubhouse, including its charter and membership, and rebuild the organization from the ground up. For Latino Outdoors, that's been through embracing comunidad, acknowledging that we are stronger as a community that embraces diversity. Thanks to each of you for being part of the Podchip Earth journey. From the entire Podship Perth crew, sound engineer Rob Spate, executive producer David Kahn. And from me, Jared Blumenfeld, don't forget to bring your culture with you when you next hit the trail.